Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. My name is Doug Wortham, and I have the distinct pleasure of hosting today's show. Today, we're going to hear from the Daniel Drevnik Memorial Fund. We'll get an update from the Paralyzed Veterans of America and check in with the VA healthcare system. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. Traditional Guard members drill primarily one weekend a month. That means nearly all of our soldiers and airmen have other careers and other responsibilities outside of their military service. Two of the most prominent responsibilities are family and employment. The Minnesota National Guard recognizes this challenge of balancing responsibilities and provides resources to assist. Our family programs teams work tirelessly to support our military families. They offer military youth programs, transition assistance for members preparing to leave the military, and a connection to other valuable resources. Our employers support guard and reserve program known as ESGR ensures that employers understand exactly what it means to employ a guard member. The ESGR program also recognizes the standout companies in our community who provide exceptional support to our guard members, be it at home, at the office, or in uniform. We all do a better job and feel better about it if we've got the right support. Here in Minnesota, we've got the right support. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Joining me in the studio is Ken and Julie Drevnik. They founded the Daniel Drevnik Memorial Fund in 2011, and it has a mission to actively support Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, North Dakota, and South Dakota military members, their spouses and children, through the availability of financial scholarship assistance. The veteran or their immediate family member must be pursuing an educational goal toward law enforcement. The Memorial Fund promotes the values of freedom, opportunity, responsibility, compassion, and morality. Ken, Julie, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it, it's good to have you in, in the studio and, and to talk about the Daniel Drevnik Memorial Fund. And um, can you just give us a little bit of, a, of an overview of, of why you started the fund? And then we'll, we'll get into some of the eligibility and stuff like that in a little bit. But, but why did you start the Daniel Drevnik Memorial Fund? Well, Dan was, he was going to school to be a police officer before his deployment. And he was going to uh, Century College at the time, and I was a Minnesota State Trooper, and he wanted to follow in my footsteps. So the law enforcement part and the military part was a good mix, and a lot of our military men and women wanted to be police officers. So following them in his footsteps, we decided that we'd start the fund so we can help our military men and women or their family members that are currently going to school for a law enforcement program, we can help them with financial assistance. And, and we should point out that uh, Daniel was a member of the Minnesota Army National Guard. He was in the 34th Infantry Division, the military police company of the 34th Infantry Division, and was deployed um, 2009 to Basra, Iraq. And during his deployment, uh, was killed in action. And so that's the tie to the military as to why you want to provide the scholarships to military members or their spouses? Yes. So in 2009, uh, he deployed in March, and they went to Basra, Iraq. And he was part of the Stillwater MP unit, which, is, of course, that's the area we live in, grew up in. And it was just 
that fateful day, he just went back. He was home for on leave, and he had just gone back in July. And it was his first night on duty that the rocket hit the base. And those rockets um, hit the base, and um, in full disclosure, and we talked about this before the show started, um, I was on that deployment um, as the battalion headquarters command sergeant major at the time, and uh, it was on July 16th when those uh, rocket attacks came in to that base. And unfortunately, um, three of our soldiers were killed in action and then one uh, very seriously injured. Um, so so Daniel just gets back from his R&R, you know, his two weeks. He's at home telling you all the great things that are going on in the deployment. Um, they were excited about just getting relocated because he was on that QRF and uh, – and, and he gets back in his first night, and then the worst possible thing could happen. Yeah, they were just waiting to go on a mission that night. Um, they were going to go on base someplace, and they were going to issue, or usher some people off the base. And um, it got postponed about three hours. And so they weren't ready. They didn't have all their gear on yet. And they were standing by the HESCO barriers, and the moment the air raid siren went off, the rocket hit right where they were standing. Yeah. Um, just uh, an unfortunate thing. And so you, you know, obviously, um, you know, that news comes home. Um, it has to be devastating for you. But um, from what I can see, from what we're going to talk about here with this foundation or the Memorial Fund, excuse me, um, you know, rather than, you know, kind of, you know, hunkering down and, and playing the, the, the victim card, you say, hey, you know what, we're going to do something to honor our son. And so out of that is born the Daniel Drevnik Memorial Fund. Uh, that's correct. We um, we'd really decided that we wanted to do something to help carry his name on to the future. You know, every parent wants to do that. And so we, long and hard, we thought about it, and a scholarship fund was one way that we could help. Um, it's a long road. Um, there's a lot of work involved with it, you know, fundraisers, um, reading over applications and, you know, websites and all this other kind of different yeah. stuff. But it's well worth it. We've helped a lot of people so far. So how about if you tell us just a little bit about the Memorial Fund and, you know, kind of some of the ins and outs and, and what it would take for somebody to be eligible for receiving some of the grant monies? Um, to receive the grant money... It's actually relatively simple. Um, you have to be either a current or former military personnel from 2001, so we picked 9-11, uh, until present. And it can be the military member themselves or a spouse, or it can be one a child. So let's say dad was in the Army, for instance, and now his son is eligible to apply for the scholarship as long as they're going to be a police officer. So we ask that you go online, apply. It's heroathome.org. And you can fill out the application and get sent to us. Um, you have to be currently enrolled in a law enforcement program at any of the colleges. Provide a transcript to us that you're there. You're actively seeking law enforcement. And provide a little essay, um, and the essay, we have never turned anybody down because their essay was short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the whole uh, gist of it is is you want to continue to honor uh, Daniel's name and, uh, and then help those that are pursuing 
what was his dream, and that was to get into law enforcement outside of the military because uh, he was in the MP company, but get into law enforcement, and ultimately he just wanted to be a state trooper like his dad. That that was his career goal, yes. He wanted to be a state trooper. Yeah. So, um, you know, since you started the foundation, I keep saying foundation, it's the memorial fund, but since you started this and you started giving the money away back in 2011, how much money have you been able to to give away? We've given away $132,000. And a scholarship um, at $132,000. So how many people are you generally helping then? Is it $1,000 a piece or what's the amount? $1,000 a piece. Okay. So someone yep. applies for it at heroathome.org. They provide their their essay, short or long. They prove yep. that they're in uh, a program to pursue a law enforcement uh, degree, and uh, they could potentially get a $1,000 scholarship, so long as they meet the eligibility with the military tie. Correct. And the scholarship goes to them personally. So we write a check out of the Daniel Drevnik Memorial Fund bank account. It goes directly to the soldier or family, and they get to use that money to make sure they stay in school. So they could either use it uh, for part of tuition, books, whatever, but if they need to put gas in the car to get there one day or they need some daycare expenses, it's up to them how they use the money. So it's not tied to a school in any way. Okay. And then is it tied to a financial need at all? No. Okay. So fill out the application again at uh, heroathome.org. And uh, so what I want to do is I want to take a quick break here and then I want to come back. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, about Daniel and uh, some of the other ways in which people can support the Daniel Drevnik Memorial Fund. We're speaking with Ken and Julie Drevnik. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Doug Wortham, and uh, we're speaking with Ken and Julie Drevnik from the Daniel Drevnik Memorial Fund. And before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about some uh, eligibility, and um, I think it's an important point when we talk about eligibility. It doesn't need to be someone who's currently serving in the military or one of their family members, does it? No, they can be separated. So if they served from 2001 to current, they're out of the military, 10 years, doesn't matter. They can apply, and they're eligible. Okay, so just provide that discharge certificate, the DD-214, and uh, submit that with your application, and then um, you could potentially get that $1,000 scholarship. And again, they just got to go to heroathome.org. Correct. Um, that's the place to do it. And you also can reapply for scholarships, so it's just not a one and done. Okay, that's really so you, good to you know. can receive multiple scholarships as long as that you fit into the criteria. So we have many of our recipients that are multiple recipients of our scholarships. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. good to know because we know the typical program. I mean, it lasts more than a year. So Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah. Um, so we, we talked about how many people the application – or, excuse me, the um, the Memorial Fund has helped. You've done $132,000 in, in scholarships. Um, you are a not-for-profit, and uh, you were telling me that – Anything and everything that comes into the Memorial Fund is available to go out. So you don't even take any type of operating expenses. You two cover that um, so that you ha- you can maximize the benefit to applicants. Correct. That's right. Um, everybody can be assured that whatever is given or donated to the scholarship fund, 100% of that goes back out in scholarships. 
when we first set this up and we got our 501c3 status, um, we made that determination right away that we're not going to keep any of the money. It goes out to the, the soldiers or a family member. And so, um, you know, obviously we, we want people to support the memorial fund. We want to continue to provide financial assistance to people who are entering the law enforcement um, you know, community, because right now we, we definitely need um, additional mm-hmm. law enforcement officers um, out, out there. So when, when we talk about just, just Daniel and, and his pursuit, obviously this is the, the memory you want to create. But how about if we talk a little bit about Daniel himself? What, what kind of guy was he? I will say Dan had a socially gifted spirit. Our son could talk to somebody of his own age, somebody that is 10 years younger, or somebody that is 50 years older. He had that socially gifted spirit where he could make connections with whomever and wherever. Um, So we also feel that giving these scholarships out, I know Dan would be extremely proud of us doing that because that was his goal. And now he sees that we are helping others achieve the goal that he ultimately couldn't. Um, So it is something that we are very, very proud of. And um, we've made great friends with scholarship recipients. We've been invited to weddings. We've been invited to baby showers, birthday parties from some of our scholarship recipients. So we give that scholarship out, and it's giving a piece of our son out that continues to live on through others. And so you talk about, you know, the ability for your son to live on through others. Mm-hmm. If there are people listening right now and uh, they're like, you know what, I, I believe in this cause. <laughs> you know, I want to support the Daniel Drevnik Memorial Fund. Is it just as simple as going to HeroAtHome.org or is there another way in which they can uh, help to donate or contribute? It's it's as simple as going to HeroAtHome.org. There's a place on there where they can uh, donate with their credit card Whatever, my information, Julie's information, um, my cell phone number is on there. Uh, they just have to give a call. And again, 501c3. So we have had some companies step up because, you know, they're willing to donate. Um, some of the American legions and things like that, they're looking for things to do with their donations, and they have to have a 501c3. We've been recipients of that. So we've, but we've done well. We've got money to give out for the scholarships. And so other than money, if, you know, let's just say someone like, look, I don't have any, I don't have the extra money to donate. Um, is there anything else that people can do to help support uh, you and your efforts? Not at this time. Uh, we were doing, we did seven years of a large fishing tournament and a fundraiser like that. Um, we've kind of, when COVID came, we kind of put an end to that, yeah. you know. Um, but we're looking for other ways to do fundraising right now, too. Yeah, so, you know, this is a really good plug for anybody out there, right? Even if you can't donate, but you have some good ideas about, or you're someone that's gifted in helping to raise funds, they could certainly reach out to you and and maybe put something together. So, again, heroathome.org. All right, now let's talk about um, some some of the fun stuff. I'm told that uh, you, uh, Ken, and you and Dan would do some drag racing or something together. Is that right? And, and are you still doing it? What, what's that all about? Um, Dan grew up at the drag strip. He did. <laughs> um, and yes, we ran the car pretty hard. Now, wait, did you ever race your highway patrol car, <laughs> drag it, or was that not authorized? 
Uh, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We must have got cut off or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, ever since Dan was a little kid and um, his brother Bob, they were at the racetrack with me constantly. And then Dan started to run his own car, and so we'd be at the drag strip together. And after that, you know, it, one of my best friends got me back onto the track right away, and then I pushed that car up until last year, actually – it was time for it got to be a, um, a garage queen, some uh, some eye candy. So we yeah. were changing gears on the cars. <laughs> now, now, Julie, you're laughing, so you must agree with it being a garage queen. It was for the last year that before Ken sold the car, it, it sat in the garage. And, yeah, we just called a little bit of eye candy, and that's all that we did with that Dre car for about a year or so. <laughs> that it was time to, to make changes with that chapter. Yeah. Yep. Well, it had to have been just such a great um, memory-building time, right, to have your kids at the drag strip with you. Obviously, you were dragging. Then, then to see your son following your footsteps again, yep. right, doing some yep. drag racing himself. And then, you know, obviously we didn't get to see him become a, a state trooper like you, but uh, you're certainly helping to fill some of those dreams for other people that want to go into law enforcement. That's what we're hoping. That's our goal is to help other people go into law enforcement. It's it's a very honorable career, you know, helping people. Um, it's not the most thankful right now, but, you know, it's there. It's, it's a good career. I, I enjoyed it, 30 years. So if I were to ask you, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say Daniel Drevnik? What, what comes to your mind? Um, pride. Pride, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he also was a good... Uh, he ran with his hair on fire all the time. Yeah. He, he loved the speed. Um, Skateboarding, snowboarding. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Motorcycles, cars. He was into all of the speed stuff. Yes. Now, did you ever have to get him out of trouble from his speeding? Did you have to pull any weight as a state trooper? Um, I, or are we breaking up? Yeah, he, he, he got brought home once. <laughs> he got brought home once. <laughs> yeah. And my partner stopped him a few times, so... He's he was lucky in a way. Yeah. Now, did he pull the line? Do you know who I am? Did he say anything like that? Do you know who my dad is? No, no. In fact, one of the guys I worked with, um, he not, did not say a word. He just silent. It, but he, he looked at the name, and the my name. partner knew who he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So pride, um, you know, and for anybody who's served, um, you know, that has raised their right hand to take that oath and, and serve for our country and then obviously go on to deployment. Um, yeah, I think pride is a great way to, to describe, um, you know, any of our service members, but obviously in the case of Daniel. And, and, and you should have a lot of pride in the fact that you're letting his legacy, you're helping his legacy to live on and continue on uh, through those that uh, you're supporting um, on a very regular basis with their pursuit of, of going into law enforcement. So, so it's just, just wonderful. Um, so tell us again, just uh, uh, real quick, we've got just less than a minute here. Um, if someone's interested, if they're going into law enforcement, they've got a nexus to the military, and they're in that five-state region, what do they need to do? As long as they apply, they just go to our website and apply. They fill out a short, it's, it's an application, but it's just hit the button on the computer. It's really simple, and um, it, get, it comes to us. We look them over, and then um, if they have a transcript for us, they have to be going to school, okay? If they're separated, they must provide a DD-214, 
and then we give out scholarships, and we give them out periodically through the year. So you're not going to wait. Okay. You know, because know. maybe they need it for this semester school, and then next semester they can reapply again if they have to. Yeah. All right. So go apply, heroathome.org. You can also go there to get uh, additional information about how to provide some donations. Uh, Ken, Julie, I really appreciate you both coming in and spending some time with us here on Minnesota Military Radio. Thanks, Doug. Thank you. Thanks for help, helping us. You're absolutely welcome. Again, that is Ken and Julie Drevnik, and we're talking about the Daniel Drevnik Memorial Fund. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We will be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Doug Wortham. In a moment, we're going to check in with the Paralyzed Veterans of America. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now here's Temporary Commissioner Brad Lindsay. Drive home your support for Minnesota military members, veterans, and their families by purchasing a Support Our Troops license plate for your car or motorcycle. To purchase these plates... Visit your local DMV or visit minnesotaveteran.org for more information. Thank you, Temporary Commissioner Lindsay. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Joining me now in the studio is Todd Camry. Todd is the National Director of the Paralyzed Veterans of America, Minnesota, and uh, he, the key objective of the PVA is to take the actions necessary to restore spinal cord injury or diseased victims' bodies and life potential as close as possible to those not suffering spinal cord dysfunction. Todd, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, Doug. Hey, it's great to have you in the studio. And, you know, I've, I've met you several times. We've spent some time together. And, and as we were preparing for uh, today's show, we kind of talked a little bit about your history and uh, and I thought it might be a good idea just to to share and have you share a little bit about um, how you got to be where you are. Sure. Um, and, and if I don't do this right off the bat, um, I need to let everybody know that you're a Marine. Yes, I and, am. And I need to give you a hard time about that because if I don't, Tom might be upset. It, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting that Tom is not here today because I, I think uh, he wasn't prepared to to deal with this Marine. <laughs> and, and so that was a kind of a poor way to, to miss out on, on our interaction. Well, he, he has said that it, sometimes it is difficult to deal with or interact with Marines. But we won't pick on Tom too much because no. he's not here. Right. But, but in all seriousness, right, so you served in the Marine Corps. And just prior to your discharge, when, when you're going to be done with your active service, um, you had a, a very, very serious injury out on the water, and and that is what's caused your paralysis. Can you just tell us a little bit about about what happened and subsequently how you've been taken care of? Sure, uh, it, it's one of those life changing events that some some of us um, go through. And so, it, dealing with it, I I use my story as a way to uh, to be able as a peer mentor to talk to our newly injured. But um, I, I am a C five C six quadriplegic. Um, I was rolled in the surf out in California at Newport Beach, and my body position was such that when the waves broke on top of me, it piledrived me into the bottom, and I landed on the back of my neck, and thus that's what created the uh, uh, paralysis. And just like in typical fashion, as a Marine, you know, you, you guys goof around, the people you were surfing with, they didn't think that you were serious. They thought you were fooling around, but then 
obviously they realized pretty quickly that, no, there's something really going on here. So so the sequence of events were that uh, I knew immediately something was up, and I was laying face down in the water uh, doing the dead man's float. Um, and And it wasn't until the next set of waves rolled me over that I was able to start breathing again. And it was at that point uh, my my buddies were looking and they they were like yelling at me to stop goofing around and and I couldn't project my voice because uh, just because of the nature of the injury and and I was mouthing you know I, I need some help this is not goofing around and as they came to try and pick me up there was an off duty trauma nurse that was watching and she quickly jumped up and came over and. And told me, told them to put me down, and she held my neck until the emergency people came, and and that started my odyssey and my rehab, uh, the long rehab um, part of the everything. And and that experience, um, you know, through until today. Now, of course, uh, you're the the national director for the uh, Paralyzed Veterans of America, the Minnesota chapter, um, which is why you're here today to talk about that. I just. You know, what a story. You know, I think often people, when they see someone in, in a wheelchair or someone that's paralyzed, they, what, what's their story? What sure. happened? You know, and and uh, as I was, again, prepping for today, I'm like, man, I, I thought I knew this. But, you know, what an amazing story to go from where you're you're not able to move at all to to now. I mean, you're you're moving. And, you know, other than the fact that you're in a wheelchair, obviously, but. Hey, you're doing pretty good. So, so my, you, you're absolutely right. I use my story as a, an example for the newly injured. Um, uh, my life uh, changed when I became part of Paralyzed Veterans of America. Um, I've been doing this uh, for 21 years, and um, and and I don't know where I would be without, uh, you know, even as tragic as it uh, that accident happened. You know, my my story is is that I'm glad it happened when it did because the Marine Corps. And the Veterans Administration have been very good to me. And this happened when you were 21 years old. I was a day before my 22nd birthday. Wow. Well, let's let's talk about sure. um, you know the the reason why you're in today. And, and I appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you so much for doing that. Absolutely. Um, I, I know that the the PVA Minnesota. You've got an office out at the um, the VA Healthcare Minneapolis VA Healthcare and. There were some restrictions in place that have now been removed. So you're back in the office. So what does that mean for our paralyzed uh, veterans who have a spinal cord injury and the use of that spinal cord injury center? So yeah, thanks, Doug. Um, we um, because of the uh, the COVID, um, w- the spinal cord injury center was later lifting the restrictions in main campus. And so now that those restrictions have been lifted, we've been able to get back to uh, resuming the activities uh, with the inpatients. So uh, things like um, the, the Halloween parties that we used to have, Veterans Day activities, the Army-Navy game. Uh, we had something special going on, which, which we called uh, Education Night, and, and our membership would participate in that. And it would be a different subject matter each of the educational evening that we had. And so... We're getting back to doing that again. And what an important thing to be able to do. I mean, when you feel isolated, like many people were during COVID, to be able to get back into the community and, uh, you know, have that camaraderie again and and share and talk and joke around and jab each other because of the branch of service they're in. I mean, that's important. And I I also know um, that some of the sports and recreation stuff is coming back as well, which is another way to build that camaraderie. Absolutely. So, um because of COVID, a lot of our membership uh, 
stayed indoors, and and rightly so. Um, and we're not going. Uh, however, as restrictions are lifted and people are, are distancing themselves from all those things, COVID. We're back to doing things with uh, our weekly bowling uh, at two different locations. We we've always had uh, season tickets for for the major sports here: the Wild, the Vikings, uh, um, for the Twins, uh, and so we we offer those. We've we've been able to offer those tickets to our membership uh, free of charge, and and we've added a uh, base camp uh, sports activities uh, once a week uh, over at base camp at the end of the runway as I call it. But these are activities that we're getting back into, our fishing activities. All of that is uh, designed to be able to get our membership and uh, our inpatients uh, off the couch. Well, and what an important uh, thing. So we've got about maybe a minute and a half left here in this segment. And I know that uh, PVA is a veteran service organization. You're a part of the Commander's Task Force, one of the eight nationally recognized uh, veteran service organizations. So we know the CTF gets together to talk about legislative goals, but what are some of the initiatives or things that PVA Minnesota is bringing to uh, CTF that uh, you'd like to see get pushed through, especially when they go up for Veterans Day on the Hill again in the spring? Absolutely. So so we are in full support of the nine initiatives that the Commander's Task Force have put together for 2024. Uh, uh, above that, we, um, we have a legislative initiative that not only covers a national concern, but also here in the state of Minnesota. And that would be uh, home health care staffing shortages. So we are, we are advocating the uh, Elizabeth Dole Home and Community-Based Services for Veterans and Caregivers, H.R. 542 and, and Senate File 141. Here in the state of Minnesota, we are working with our civilian counterparts, uh, Metropolitan Centers for Independent Living, to address the same critical home health care shortages. Perfect. All right, so we're going to just take a break here, then we'll come back and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that, um, and then we'll get into some of the major events and things that uh, you know are coming up uh, in 2024 as it relates to the Paralyzed Veterans of America. We are speaking with Ted, Todd, sorry about that, Ted, I don't know where that came from, Uh, Todd Kemery. uh, This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We will be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Doug Wortham, and uh, we've been speaking with Todd Kemry from the Paralyzed Veterans of America. He's the director of the Minnesota chapter of PVA. So, Todd, before we went into break, we talked a little bit about some legislative goals um, for the national and the local chapter. But you were saying there's kind of a unique thing about PVA and how you work um, to push initiatives for all those with disabilities, not just veterans. That's correct, Doug. Uh, we're in a unique position where when it comes to ADA uh, and accessibility, we work very closely with our civilian counterparts. Um, so th- this is one of those unique times that we'll be working together on this uh, initiative for home health care, staffing shortages, and, and, and some of the things that the Elizabeth Dole Home Community-Based Services uh, Caregivers Act uh, covers. So. Yeah, and, and what a what a great thing. And we know there's healthcare shortages throughout all of healthcare, right? Not just in the uh, the staffing uh, for home health care, but uh, definitely uh, something that's of, of a great need. So I, I hope that you get some resolve on that as you move that forward through the legislative process. Uh, let's talk about um, events. 
Um, you know, you mentioned some of the things you're doing, activities you're doing. You talked about a Halloween uh, event or party that uh, you get to do again. But what are some of the other major events that uh, that PVA Minnesota has going on? So uh, thank you, Doug. I, I think what we're very proud of is that uh, in 2024, uh, our chapter is hosting the Paralyzed Veterans of America National Convention here in Minneapolis. Uh, and that's going to be coming up on May 15th through the 17th down in Minneapolis. So that that's a big feather in our cap. And then later in 2025, we'll be hosting, uh, with the Minneapolis VA, we're hosting the National Veteran Wheelchair Games, which uh, we like to brag about as being the largest wheelchair athletic event other than uh, the Paralympics. Now, are you participating at all? I, I do participate in that. Like actual participant, you're not like a referee or something. No, no, I I get my decrepit old body out there, and I'm involved with the wheelchair softball, uh, wheelchair rugby. Um, I also do a few other events, but all total, there's 17 different events to choose from. Um, And we cover both uh, power chair and manual chair. And with the swimming events, we we also uh, have those with um, uh, prosthetics, uh, amputees, uh, and all different levels. And where will that take place at? So it'll be mostly a lot of the uh, events will be at the convention center in Minneapolis. Okay. But the U- University of Minnesota also helps out with like the swimming events. Sure. They have a great Olympic uh, uh, competitive uh, pool system over there. And so we'll be basically pretty much all over the metro area. So for membership in PVA... What what kind of requirements are there, and what would you say to those that uh, are eligible that haven't even uh, joined the PVA yet? So if you have a spinal cord injury or a spinal cord disorder like uh, MS, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, then that's that's our membership. It, it's a small segment, but but that's uh, there was a need for that, and so that's what uh, started Paralyzed Veterans of America. And if someone wants to get more information about membership. For the Minnesota chapter, it's mnpva.org. And if they're looking for additional information on the national level, it's simply pva.org. That is correct. Awesome. Well, Todd, I really appreciate you coming in and, and sharing your personal story and give us an, uh, giving us an update on uh, PVA. And I know Tom is disappointed he didn't get to see you and razz you today, but I know he's here in spirit. And yes, again, he is. Thanks for being here with uh, us on Minnesota Military Radio. Absolutely, Doug. I appreciate it. That is uh, Todd Kemery, who is the Paralyzed Veterans of America, the director of the Minnesota chapter. Joining us from the Minneapolis VA healthcare system is Sandra Roy. Sandra is a public affairs specialist out at the Minneapolis VA healthcare system. Sandra, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Well, you know, just like in the military, it's next person up, right? Um, we uh, had a little bit of a uh, conflict here, some technical difficulties. So when it came time to get the uh, director on, um, he had already moved on to a, a scheduled meeting he had to go to and couldn't get out of. And so you get to step in and take his place. That's right. That's how it goes. And he's a busy man. Yeah, well, absolutely is. And he's doing great things out there. And, and speaking of great things... Um, in our short time together here, um, I know that every year we're going to do a year in review. We'll talk about all the great things that the Minneapolis VA healthcare system has done. And then uh, we talk about some of the upcoming priorities. And I thought we'd spend just a couple of minutes here on the 2024 priorities. And uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what some of those priorities are and, and why they're so important. 
Sure. So here at the facility, um, we really need to take a look at the higher level priorities set by UVHA. And the Secretary's priorities for 2024, um, actually he lists out five um, that we'll be focusing on that, that all have are equally as important. Um, the first priority, um, and not in any um, special order, is to hire faster. And what that means is we need to hire faster and more competitively. Right now our processes are a little bit slow. We need to get more people on board faster, and we need to be more competitive with the community. Um, the second priority that I would talk about is prevent veteran suicide. That's always been a priority of ours. Um, suicide Prevention Month is the month of September, but we always feel that it's it's every month here. Um, so in aligning with the priorities of the VA, we always are looking at pushing out messaging, doing community outreach and education on suicide prevention. The third I would talk about is um, accelerating VA's journey to a high reliability organization. Right now what we do here is we have tier huddles that impacts all of our employees to make it a high reliability organization. And what that means is communicating, communicating with employees, making sure that we're holding ourselves accountable. And again, that's something that we'll be focusing on in 2024, and we do every day. The last one that I would talk about really quick, because I know we'll be going to break, is support veterans' whole health. That also includes their caregivers and survivors. So what we do here is we look at a whole health approach, which means that we want to include all of the family members, caregivers that are involved in the veterans' care, and also include all of the different services, so primary care, mental health, um, wellness, all of those things we want to make sure that we're doing a whole health approach. Well, and I know that uh, throughout 2024, as we have the director on, occasionally uh, we'll be getting an update on how the Minneapolis VA is supporting those priorities and then the things, of course, that our community can do to, to assist with that. Um, Veterans Day is right around the corner, and I'm wondering if the Minneapolis um, healthcare system, the VA, is doing something special for Veterans Day this year. So we are. We actually are going to do some inpatient um, engagements and recognition with our voluntary services program here. Um, I do know that we're also going to have a veterans panel that will be broadcasted to all of our inpatients, and it will be more of like a storytelling um, type of a panel. Um, and then also we are going to have a decorated vehicle car parade. And we've been doing this now, oh, gosh, probably the past several years, um, and it's really well attended, and we have cars line up. They decorate. They drive around the campus, um, and then they also do go over to the Minnesota State um, VA home. So it's really actually a really, really nice nice um, event, and our inpatients then can also enjoy a little bit and be outside if the weather's nice. Yeah, what a, what a great opportunity and, um, you know, another way to support and, and just show that appreciation and support to uh, the veterans, especially on, on Veterans Day. Well, uh, Sandra, I do appreciate you uh, just, you know, stepping in for the director, sharing a little bit about priorities, telling us about the Veterans Day event, and uh, I hope that you have a great day. And thanks so much for joining us here on Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Thank you again. That's Sandra Roy, the Public Affairs Specialist for the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. We're near the end of our time together, and I'd like 
you to know that this show is for you. If you have topic suggestions, show feedback, or if you're a Minnesota veteran and you'd like to share your story, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com, click on Contact Us, and send us a message. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Ken and Julie Drevnik, Todd Camry, Sandra Roy from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System, Temporary Commissioner Brad Lindsay of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Next week, we'll get an update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. We'll get a Veterans Day preview from the Minnesota National Guard, and we'll check in with the Minnesota Patriot Guard. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Doug Wortham. I'd like to thank you for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I hope you have a great week. And I hope you find a way to make a positive impact on someone's life. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.